Another one. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Hey, everybody. This is Derek Johnson along with my two co-hosts, Joey Danger, Silly, and Willie Duke. And we're just hanging out on an early Friday evening as spring football is underway for the University of Washington Huskies. We've got all kinds of news to talk about. Camden Sermon moving from quarterback to running back. Dominique Hampton moving from safety to a linebacker DB hybrid position. And the players are reportedly buying in with the new coaching staff and are working harder than ever. So to get things kicked off this evening... We will start with the DJ Khaled of podcasting Joey Dangerously. So tell us, Joey, what's rattling around in that nugget of yours? We the best. <laughs> so go ahead. Well, if I'm DJ Khaled, that's all I got. <laughs> all right, Willie, on to you. That's my, that's, that's my. <laughs> You called so, yourself uh, DJ Khaled the I, other day. That's right. We the best. I'm out. <laughs> I, I put I put the talent together and and make an album and rake in the millions for uh, doing nothing. Uh, and I can already so, see the purple base is going to say thud for my opening there. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a, I, I was kind of thinking the other day uh, when uh, uh, I was on, when was the first, first practice was Wednesday. So Wednesday they, uh, they came out and, you know, Dylan Morris uh, was the first quarterback or whatever to take reps. And I was like, okay, he's not starting. That was kind of a, Put him in there. A tip of the cap. A tip of the cap. Uh, don't make it look like you want the, you know, the the transfer to come in and start right away. Um, and you know, kind of lose some clout with the team and whatnot. Yeah. And so now, so now I'm thinking. You know what the most important position I think, or the well, I wouldn't say important. The, the most curious position battle to watch now that I'm I'm curious on. Right okay. tackle. Hmm. Because we got two left-handed quarterbacks. So, Mateo Mele, I yeah. know Bain of Ballews, Mateo Mele has been playing right tackle and uh from from the couple videos I've seen on Twitter he looks he looks pretty uh he looks pretty agile and you know pretty I mean I always thought he was played better at center than you know Nick Harris did when he subbed for a couple games but that was, might be just cuz I couldn't stand Nick Harris <laughs> um, <laughs> uh yeah so I'm like hey right tackle that's a curious position. If they slide Kern back out to right tackle, uh, that worries me a little bit. If we have a, if we have a left-handed, 
Yeah, please no. Keep him at right guard or just have him come off the bench. I, I like Mateo Mele out there at right tackle. So that was uh, just one little thought that popped in my head on, on Wednesday watching practice. Well, and if the season gets underway and we have a lot of uh, tight end lining up on the right side there or uh, we have our best blocking back staying in the backfield all the time on second and third down, we'll know the coaches are worried. So, Sure. Did anything else uh, pop out as you were there? I was. I wasn't at practice. You were at practice. <laughs> I, like to, <laughs> I, I like to say I was so at scary. practice. <laughs> oh, you weren't there. No. Oh, I thought you were. No, I was. I was no, I was. I was reading reports and watching uh, Twitter videos. Well, Close enough. Are we? Are we now? No, uh, <laughs> no, you didn't get me a press pass. That's why. <laughs> I don't think they'd give me one either. You know, <laughs> not these days. The days would of me standing in the back paper, of the would we come me, in with paper days, bags over our heads? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when when Hardcore Husky was getting watched and then C Fetters Nacho Lover was he. Uh, I was trying to figure out what the name of the site was going to be, and he said it should be called huskycreampie.com. And I said, oh, that's great. Let's send you to the press conferences. You introduce yourself as uh, so-and-so from, from huskycreampie.com. And good, good luck to you. God bless. Should have done it. Oh, man. We, we actually came very, very, very close. This is a true story. This is not a dumb joke. Came very close to calling it OperationHusky.com, and then the logo was actually uh, Husky Stadium viewed from Lake Washington, and then it was like in one of those, uh, like viewed from a, uh, a periscope from a submarine. And uh, the whole idea is that we were infiltrating to try to change the culture or whatever, and then at the last minute I thought, you know what, if though, if things improve or whatever, then that's going to quickly become outdated, so let's pick something better. And uh went with Hardcore Husky, so. It's, it's a safe name. It's, it's, the, it's the PG name. <laughs> well, but in the early days, I remember iDog and others telling me that uh, they went to, like, Google Hardcore Husky and that there were images coming up there that they could never get out of their... Get out of their um, <laughs> eyes or mind again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's quite PG. It's uh, it, it can go a few different directions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I remember Irish Dog was pretty excited about it, but that's a whole other story. But um, um, so. I know, in a certain sense, like you know, the, the, we're going to call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, the the excitement level for the team is very low right now. It's probably about as low as I can ever recall. Even in the Willingham years, there was still more interest than than what we're seeing now. Would you guys agree with that? Generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because you know. The world was such a different place. The media was such a different place that mm. you know it, 
it's just it's easier and yet harder to talk at the same time with how excited or engaged people are. Well, I'd like to say it's easier to tell because you got social media, uh, but you know, I it, it, I think it's less. And and, and that's really something. Yeah. Well, there's I uh, I like listen to Mitch Levy's podcast, and I'm a patron member of his podcast. And he was I don't I mean he was at, he was talking about uh, Josh Connerly on his uh, podcast he put out today with uh, with Slickhawk. I mean, who better to go to you know for local recruits and Washington Husky problems and Slickhawk, who's a fucking duck fan. Uh, but he's just asking, like, why, you know, he's wondering why Josh Connerly is, you know, why he's, you know, why wouldn't he be in, interested in the local, you know, the local school and and all this stuff. And it just, it's, it just pisses me off to know in that there's just no, the, the, the media around this town, it's such an afterthought. You know, it's college football is such a uh, such a machine of, you know, revenue and and uh, interest and and it's like, what what would you say is that? Okay, there's Mariners all day, Seahawks all day. They're even talking about Kraken. Uh, you know, more than anything Husky related. Yes, you know, yes. On, on, it, it's, uh, but, I mean, it even goes into football season. Like, you're the Husky, like, KJR is the Husky flagship station. I mean, I, I, I'm probably, people who know me are fucking yawning right now because I bitch about it all the time. But it's like, <laughs> go through their lineup. Go through the morning show lineup. It It is, you know, it's a Chuck Powell and Bucky Jacobson who, you know, Chuck Powell is a transplant and then Bucky is a fucking duck fan. Okay. <clears throat> Next is Jason Puckett and Jim Moore. Uh, Deep dark secret. I kind of am, am entertained by them. I don't, you know, not afraid to admit it. They're, they do. They're okay. Uh, they're cougars, and then the next guy is Ian Furness. He's a cougar, and then you have to wait all day to get the softy, and then fifty-fifty will they, won't they? You know, doesn't give you a fucking answer, Dick Fane. You know, it. I mean that that's your Husky flagship station that has no, real really no Husky roots in it. You know, there it's it's sad. We're we're just kind of the you know the uh, the middle the middle child or whatever. Why would if you're a station? Why would you pay that money for the rights and then not make it the centerpiece and focal point of of, of your of your your daily broadcasting? I don't understand that. I don't get it. I I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. So that, I mean that's why there's no buzz. You know, it's like, you know, like what Mitch Levy was saying, like, why wouldn't he come? Well, because the newspaper, the the number one newspaper in town, 
doesn't fucking care if you commit to Washington. It's not front page news. If you're going to commit to Miami, it will be front page news because they fucking hate the program for whatever reason. So yeah, it's annoying. And and then and then we're the the lunatic fringe, so we have to be neutered because we because but you know, dear God, we why why should we care about our fucking football program? Why would you care that much about your football program? I don't fucking know. I I, I don't want to care this much about my football team. <laughs> I've my breath. There's there's days there's days I I'm, I'm like can I I, I want to wake up tomorrow and not care about my football team. <laughs> I do not Joey, want to consuming my life. <laughs> Joey, you are like the crown prince when it comes to coming up with titles for episodes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you might have just got one there. Oh, great. <laughs> Again, life gold. <laughs> Your media media draws in confusing people, uh and it draws in a lot of people who are against their own or like contrarian uh in against their own uh, interest in, uh, you see it in non-sports media a lot, you know, I have a deep background in media, so I know all this, uh, and I think that kind of feeds into it, and then Oregon and Washington State have the big journalism school, and Washington doesn't, I think that feeds in a lot of the people who end up at those places are from the school, uh, are from out of town, but, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Josh Connerly's not going to go to Washington. And, but yeah, I think the media has never done a good job of promoting, you know, people staying home, like promoting that, that aspect of, you know, local people, local guys staying home has never, there, never been their forte. And I think a lot of it, they're, they're also fucking lazy and covering the Seahawks is just fucking way easier. Just like it's way easier to be a fucking Seahawks fan. It's just, you get the same dumb, endless fucking talking points uh, that just go over and over and you don't have to, you know. We're Washington, you know, college football, we have to completely, everything changes week to week. Everything changes year to year. Uh, there's just so many aspects to college football that I feel like a lot of people are just lazy and they'd rather have the same two and a half talking points for the Seahawks that they're going to have every year. And it's just way easier. Uh, I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, the market is, it's too late. It's over. Uh, the market's wide open for, you know, Washington football right now. I mean, Seahawks, I think, are, might be really bad for a long time, and they might become the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners are baseball dead and more dead than Pac-12 football, and uh, they're never going to do anything, and no one gives a fuck about hockey. Uh, it's there, I mean, but I just don't think... <clears throat> someone, someone put on Twitter uh, this week, it was like, I, I wish I saved it, but it was like the, you guys still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like it was the revenue from all men's sports for the conferences at the time and for a given year, and it was like the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12, it was even when the Big East existed, and like the SEC and Big Ten had like tenfold more than the Pac-10 Pac at the time. This was 2009. Uh, the Big East had more. That was before the Big East folded and transferred. I mean, I I just think the Pac-12 
Washington is fucking dead. Uh, and I mean, so maybe, maybe, maybe if fucking South Dakota fucking balding fucking flesh-colored hair guy can create some magic. Uh, it's Seattle. Maybe there's hope that they can get some excitement with the Seahawks vacuum. We can get something going, but I don't. I mean, that was pretty sobering. It's like, this is how far behind. Kids don't get, I know it, that the Pac-12 was a fucking afterthought. And you're not going to win a national championship. You're not going to compete for one. And you're not going to get your NIL money. You're going to fucking waste because you're 18. What the, if someone gave me fucking $60,000 when I was 18, I'd fucking waste it. And as much as we shit on fucking, and they're wrong, they're doing it the wrong way because they're supposed to compete. And that doesn't mean for this turning into a ramp. But as much as we shit on Jen Cohen and all them for, you know, the Motley Future shit and 401k, that's the right thing to fucking do. Giving these kids fucking $50,000 who don't, <coughs> it, it, it's idiotic. Uh, it, it's not going to, it's not going to help anyone in the long run. So I, I rant with like four different directions, so I apologize. Well, here's what you do. You combine it though, you know, because do you want to win football games or don't you, you know? And it's like, oh, I, I completely. I completely agree with you in terms of developing. You know, you had you had a twenty year old Derek Johnson sixty grand. I mean, that would be not that I was a complete idiot, but I mean, I was an idiot, you know, to a degree. And it's like that. Uh, I, I wouldn't have known how to handle that at that age. No way. Um, but if you do a combination of the two, here's some money now. Plus, here's something you set aside. But when you're doing this, uh, well, well, here, here's some T-shirt sales, and we'll set this thing up for when you're 65. And it just sounds like your your old uncle is having a chat with you or something. It's it's it, it, there's no there's no sizzle as as uh, Kent Griswold would say. So yeah, Since sixty grand. Sixty grand, I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm gonna get a '78 Bronco, all the Bushlight Tall Boys I can get. <laughs> and you're set. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the and, then be, and then you would be featured yeah. in the Seattle Times ten years later about <laughs> if, if there were warning signs about nil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, it's completely right that, yeah, you just have to play the game if you're Washington and you better start doing it. And the truth is no one's mentioning, yeah, like, that is, if you were going to actually look for these kids and actually help them out, that is the way to do it, or at least, like, out of college. I mean, one reason society is set up to not give you money when you're 18 and make you go to college or make you earn, pay your dues is because, you kind of need to do that. Uh, and giving some guy who's like, you know, very few of these guys actually have any pro potential, you know, random chunks of cash just because you have to compete in fucking Texas A&M, Texas A&M and these shit fucking schools that are just throwing money. It, it, it sucks. And it's, it's not really going to be that great for anyone in the long run, uh, except, you know, schools that get a little success out of it. So that's my... That's my rant on that for the week. Uh, check with me in two weeks from now <clears throat> another rant about how fucked the Pac-12 is and uh, how nearsighted and what a disaster the NIL is. Here's my here's my uh, sliver of of hope that I and I posted this on the boards a week or, ago or so, is that 
the one thing about DeBoer, though, is I get a real strong sense that we're going to be like this will be the most fundamentally sound team that we've seen in at least, you know, four or five years, probably, if nothing else. And um, if if that, along with uh, Michael Penix staying healthy and having a really good season, if he's anything like the, the video that I, you know, was watching of him a few months ago, um, and we could, with the soft schedule, catch some lightning in a bottle, beat Oregon, win 10 games, win a, a near six bowl, that could that could spark something that's been dormant, you know. And then and then one thing leads to another, and now there's extra pressure. Why aren't we doing more with on the recruiting front? Um, and maybe even DeBoer can go to uh, you know <laughs> Cohen or or uh, Karen Ramming or whoever, and just say, hey, I, I need more than what we're doing here, you know. And you've got you got some leverage then if you're coming off a, a, a win, you know, in a whatever Fiesta Bowl or something. Um, cause I think this is our, this is our window right now this year. And if we miss it now, it could be the dark ages seriously for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I mean, I said it about Washington, Oregon and USC on the board. I mean, yeah, wa- this is Washington can't afford to slip up now. This is, I mean, like, this is kind of like 2009, like if, if Stark would have, if Stark would have been a thud, the program really, you know, as much as all the negative things I could talk for a week about Stark, I mean, that doing what they did in 2009 was save the program. Because if they would have came out and been three, won two or three games that year the way they could have, I mean, it could have really killed the program. And if that happens again, if the Huskies come out and go four and eight again, or even, you know, five and seven, it's they, Stark they need saved to do the program. <laughs> He, I mean, not the start. No, the overall. Could have had Pat Hill. <laughs> uh, he would have done better. Yeah, I mean, everything that came together. I just meant that year. I mean, having Locker, uh, I think you know, and some of the things that came together for that year. If they, I'm just saying, if that year, if they would have been, you know, if they would have had a bad year, that would have really fucked the program. And we're in that spot again. They cannot afford this year to. Well, have they, they went year five left. and seven. Yeah. That was that not is, a good year. Yeah, they, they beat you coming off of zero and twelve, and they beat USC. They always that was a a, a huge turnaround. I mean, I'll give you, I'll uh, give you that was, for USC. That would be disingenuous that, for me to not give credit for USC, that, but and beating beating Cal to end the year, even though it didn't matter anymore, but because we were out of bowl contention. But uh, beating Cal was satisfying at the end of the year, but. Um, they basically beat Notre just, Dame on the road that year. They oh, played. <laughs> you had to bring that they, up. That, that, I mean, I'm saying, I mean, if they would have played, you know, Boise State or Utah State or the usual B non-conference team instead of Notre Dame, they would have went to a bowl that year. I mean, they just happened to play LSU and at Notre Dame and non-conference that year. I mean, that's why they didn't go to a bowl. Uh, and the rest First and goal at the – First and goal at the two inch yard line and we can't we can't punch it in. Well, I mean, well they should have beat of, uh, Arizona State and UCLA that year too. UCLA I don't remember, but Arizona State I remember the Hail Mary thing where they got wide open ten yards behind our DBs, but Yeah. 
I don't remember UCLA yeah. from that year. No, I was at that game. It was, uh, I, can't, I think it's like they missed, like, three makeable field goals or something. And then, uh, something like that. Or late in the game, I don't know why I need to, you know, go into this. They, like, missed a makeable field goal that UCLA made, like, a really long field goal, and they lost by, like, one point. Uh, 24-23. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough game. I was, I was there. Yeah, it was like, I can't remember. It was something bad with field goals, and it was just like UCLA was bad. They had like a third-string quarterback who like could barely throw, and Husky somehow lost. Walker uh, was banged up and couldn't really run in that game, and then Jermaine Kurtz had like three touchdowns. Oh, they, you know uh, what? Um, go ahead, Joey. UCLA had a play that uh, it was like a deep pass where the guy – was kind of like diving for it and it went through his arms and hit the ground and they called it a catch and I think Sark even because this was uh, you could challenge as a coach like a booth had to challenge or um, there's some there's some different mode of challenging a play so like the Huskies call the timeout and it was like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna challenge it and they'll review this play, and they never reviewed it, and it was an obvious non-catch, and it got UCLA down to like the one or two yard line, or maybe they scored on the pass. Um, yeah, and then they scored a they scored a touchdown, and it was like a hor- I I, I want to say it was like a third down. I mean, it has to be a third down. It can never not be a third down. <laughs> that, that kind of shit to happen. Right. I, I had to be a third down. Is that when they had their fourth because, string quarterback a walk on? I was yeah, I think that was the I'm almost certain that was the year and I think he threw a lot of picks. Or maybe he didn't. I feel like the Huskies No and last Yeah, 'cause the late Larry and I we were we were texting crazily during that game and we were even predicting that oh great, they've got the walk on quarterback. Watch him set records and drive up and down the field, and then that happened. Um, the, the guy, as I recall, led uh, two touchdown drives. Well, I mean, me and Joey every every year have numerous games where, you know, it's the guys who are every quarterback that throws, like, four picks, you know, against every other team in the Pac-12. Uh, as soon as they play the Huskies, they just can't ever uh, – uh, can't ever uh, – can't ever just throw a fucking interception. Even like uh, Kevin Kraft. Even like Kevin Kraft. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he threw like one. Wow. Me, I, actually, I think me and Joey were talking about this like a month ago or so because I was like going through old box scores because you know I, I need to do that and like Kevin Kraft the week before threw like five or six interceptions or something and we were everyone was like oh great they're gonna like just pick this guy off five times because he was like, yeah, he was like a walk-on four-string guy because everyone else was hurt. <laughs> I don't think he threw like two touchdowns. And he had like one tip ball pick. Uh, it's like, yeah, the, we always thought ASU, ASU always had some squirrely quarterback who's like a gunslinger who throws like three or four picks against everyone. And the Huskies play him in like Utah too. And then the Huskies play him and he has like four incompletions the whole game. Or even someone yep. like Tyler Huntley, Troy Williams, they're like whoever the other Utah guys are, are always like 
even if they're okay, they're like, well, they're so good for like two picks a game, and then instead they they go like nineteen of twenty three against the Huskies every year. Or like Manny Wilkins, they're like all these dudes. They just never, even like Herbert. Like Herbert threw a lot of like a decent amount of picks and like struggle, but like I, don't, I think after that his first collegiate pass, I don't think he ever threw an interception against the Huskies. Uh, but he was usually good for like one and a half against everybody else. Yes. Um, I want to point out one thing here too is that in regards, because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now for the 2009 Washington Huskies, and so Washington beat USC on September 19th, and they actually were ranked uh, number 24 going into the next week against uh, Stanford. And so, so okay, Huskies are two and one. They just beat third-ranked USC. So Sark's looking really good there. And then they lose six of their next seven. So that's when I – so that's not, you know, you say they turn the program or, you know, you save the program is how you put it. I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but um, toward you I, or Sark. Yeah. It's just, I, I just – I bristle at that saying he saved it. That's all. I can't have that key, but it was – I stand by my statement. Uh, the, the program was, like, in a very bad spot where it went as another, like, you know, three and nine year that was going to be bad to get tough to get out of. But what a schedule, though. LSU, Notre Dame, and then you had uh, the USC at home and at UCLA at, and Oregon at home. Lost yeah. to Oregon 43-19. to 19. <sighs> So... <laughs> Yeah, it was not a – it was a tough uh, – yeah, there were some tough schedules in those, those years where they scheduled like it was still the 90s at a conference in the Pac-12, you know, was actually pretty tough. Uh, it, it was it, it was rough. Well, I mean, but it, it was a fun I, uh, schedule, though. I think oh, I might have I, found I the play. Uh, I think I might have found the play. Kevin Prince – Pass complete to Logan Paulson for 56 yards to the Washington four for a first down. I, I remember that, that play. play. I it, I went through his I went through his arms and hit the ground. It, it was a horrible call on the field. Um, yeah, I blame the sanctions. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> There's people out there listening yeah. to this and nodding, nodding vigorously now. <laughs> yeah, when I when I was in Atlanta, I went to like four Husky UCLA games and like two USC ones. All the UCLA ones, they they only won one. It was super frustrating. It was 2018, and then I went to two like hellacious USC blowouts. It didn't go to the two. It didn't go to the two. Times they beat it, they beat USC. Uh, so uh, it was great. You know, I got to see a, a lot of good Husky football down there in LA. And the UCLA games are always so fucking weird. I, I mean, we could do ten podcasts on how weird the weirdness of every, almost every Washington UCLA game. Uh, Let's do that ever sometime this summer. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, UCLA, UCLA had five turnovers that game. To Washington's one, <laughs> and they won, <laughs> and they lost. 
Yep. Chris, Chris Polk, Chris Polk, 8.8 yards a carry that day. 15 carries, 132 yards. Oh, you know what? And if you go back and check that, I if I, I recall that, uh, I'm almost positive I'm right about this. He carried the ball like 12 times in the first half. It was gashing him, and then and then we just stopped giving him the ball, and we started throwing it all over the place. There's only and Larry. Okay, so he Larry, he's got 15 carries. Locker with seven carries, and uh, Demetrius Bronson with two carries for negative one yards. That's all that. That's all the people that got carries that day. Because uh, Larry and I were going, just going off after that game, just so pissed off. I remember that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Let's see. Huh. And uh, Wooly, did you want to talk about a Camden Sermon switch position switch or? <laughs> The, the backup holder. <laughs> I actually really don't want to talk about that. Uh, I know oh, that's okay. going to be like. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I. What I would want to talk about. I mean, we kind of already talked a little bit about quarterback. I think quarterback and running back are going to be super interesting during the spring because, I mean, obviously quarterback's the most important position. There's battles there. And, uh, watching those, but I, boy, I, I kind of feel like that's either due to have something like uh, Phoenix Jr. just work out, just stay healthy and have a good year, and then give him a year to actually coach Sam Heward and you know get get the Huskies to like a decent amount of win. I mean, it, can it, I, I kind of feel like that finally has to just happen. Like uh, it. it it seems to never happen for the program anymore where it's like, okay, can this just work out? It's like, no, he's going to be injured. Uh, he's going to, like, show up in the first – he's going to show up against Kent State and uh, Kent State and Portland State, and he's just going to be amazing. And then he's going to lead, like, two really good touchdown drives against Michigan State. And then he's going to get knocked out, knocked out for the year, like, in the past. Uh, and then they're going to be, like, ahead of, ahead, like, two touchdowns against Michigan State and then lose by, like, a field goal. And then he's going to be gone the rest of the year. So the rest of eternity will be like, well, uh, everything was going to be great. And then, you know, uh, Phoenix Jr. got hurt. I mean, yeah, I'm curious to see. Uh, he'll, be, my... he'll be this generation's Shane Fortney, right? Yeah, Shane Fortney, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. We don't have much to go off yet, but my assumption is uh, pretty basic that as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be the guy this year, and he should at least be pretty decent and could even be pretty fun with the receivers as we talked about. The receivers quietly, even though they're a complete cluster, possibly being the best unit on the team somehow. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, here's what you guys think, but yeah, I think it's, Option one, most likely, Phoenix wins it, then we don't know. He could literally, might not even make it through spring fall camp healthy. Uh, two, Sam Heward, you go for it, and maybe he wins without riding against Phoenix Jr. Maybe he's not healthy, or maybe they just want to build for the future. That's probably the second most likely. Third, Dylan Morris is the starter, and we burn the program down. <laughs> well, I, I tell you well, what, what though, I, I, 
I, I just have this hunch, not based on anything tangible, but just I think that Penix is going to have a good season and stay healthy. I just have this feeling. I, I have the same feeling. So maybe this is like our offensive line feeling from August, though. <laughs> and, but and four years ago I, and three years ago, but yeah, but I, six yeah, years I, ago I and last year. <laughs> well, you know, and um, it, it just again, I've only seen you know. I watched I watched almost an entire game that he played, um, and then uh, when I'm talking about Michael Penix, and then um, and then I watched like you know highlight reel stuff on YouTube, which can be deceiving. But I sure love the way he throws the ball. So, um, you yeah. know, we'll see. You know, it's you know, it's uh, what's funny is I'm watching, uh, or uh, you know, I'm seeing the. Pictures and video clips of Jackson Kirkland walking around with a boot, you know, and he's got his jersey on. And uh, the the word is he he's not cleared yet, hasn't heard anything back yet. I I feel like at this point, if uh, a player from like uh, say Ohio State or Alabama or something, uh, if he like went eligible for the draft got drafted in like the sixth round, didn't like his uh his draft position and, and asked to go back to school. They they'd grant it the next day. And and yet they're waiting they're waiting on a guy they're waiting on a guy who who hasn't done anything involving the pros yet. They're just they're making him wait around and all he wants to do is just come back to college. <laughs> just just grant him is is okay, you know, just just grant it for him. Well, that's the NCAA for you, though. I mean, you know, yeah, they could have gotten, they could have, uh, Peterson could have bitched and moaned and uh, gotten Jacob Eason, you know, another year of eligibility, but didn't do it. Played nice. Didn't seem like he put. It didn't seem like he put up any fight at all. No. But no, I don't think I don't he think really you, gave a shit at that point, so Yeah, I don't think he wanted to mess with the uh the dynamic of that team and wanted to let Browning ride it out. Yeah. And I guess Yeah, um, I could have ruffled feathers. You can't tell me though that Browning had the full support of all his teammates. It's just there's just no way. So I I don't and think here's he the did. Thing. I think it there, there's people that have uh, – I, I would even dare say the general consensus on the boards these days is negative toward Peterson. There's a lot of Peterson supporters on there, but I think a lot of people feel, in looking back, they feel like Peterson let the program down in various ways. And But the one thing that always bothered me about him, and I appreciate what he – a lot of the things that he did to help lift up the program – uh, but the one thing that always bothered me through those four Browning years was that you never saw a real true attempt on Peterson's behalf to bring in some real competition for him. And I never understood that. And the way that Peterson was able to recruit, it shouldn't have been hard to find a, a, a good quality competition to come in and challenge that little snot rag, you know? 
yeah, it, uh, um, I, I was always irritated at Brown. I was always irritated at Browning, you know, uh, while he played, and I don't know, he's he's aged a little better for me. I mean, hmm. I like him a little more now than I did while he was playing. In in what way? And that's you know, no problem on my part, of course. But but in what way? I don't know. There's just like. I don't know. There's, there's just. I mean, he was. Uh, he was pretty tough. Um, mm-hmm. His his body language sucked, but. Um, he, he threw people under the bus. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's like, there's just some games where I'm like, I'm like, I got this weird feeling Jake Browning wouldn't have lost that game. <laughs> I mean, it's like. The, just these, these wow. games against shit teams. I don't, I, you know, like, I, I don't know, like these well, last Oregon year. State game last year. Like, like I'm like, yes, I'm like I Browning wouldn't have lost this fucking game. Agreed. You know, but but that doesn't, but he also had that doesn't da- mean I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's weird. He, he's he's uh, the winningest quarterback. Um, not not percentage wise, but the winningest quarterback um, in school history, and yeah, he's so polarizing. Well, I mean, I always felt like he gave a hundred percent effort out there, and he was no unquestionable. He was tough um, in, in yeah. terms of the physical pounding that he would take, and he'd always get up. I and again, as I stated a second ago, my frustration wasn't even toward Browning per se there. It was toward Peterson not giving the team other options. And, you know, you go into that uh, Rose Bowl against Ohio State with uh, with Taylor Rapp and, um, and, a, and a quarterback that's better than Browning. It doesn't even have to be an All-American or All-Conference or whatever, but a good quarterback – there's an outside chance that they could have beat Ohio State that day, but I knew the the way that it was all set up there with Browning. Um, I think I was probably one of the very few Husky fans that wasn't all that excited about the Rose Bowl, and I just knew we were going to lose. And I knew that our game plan offensively was going to be self-defeating, and, and it, it that was you know one of those times where I was right. It all played out that way. And then we opened things up in the second half, and it's like, it's just it was just all so fucking predictable. I just remember yelling at my TV and shaking my head, but Yeah, I mean, Browning for me the number one the number one person for Browning's rep, retrospective reputation was Jacob Eason. Uh because I think that was <laughs> my big thing where I was like, "Oh, uh yeah, it turns out I mean, Based just on the field college play, I was like, uh, I might take Browning over Easton uh, while he was at Washington. And yeah, I mean, no, that I was the agree. thing. Of, yeah, and that was that was huge for Browning to me. I mean, yeah, and the question, the toughness, and the effort. That picture of him against Utah, for it's like upside down yeah. flying in the air. I think says it all. And I like you know the the point against Oregon and stuff like that. I felt like. One of my big things that makes me feel kind of shitty and weird about being a college sports fan sometimes is like, I'm like, do I care more about this than the guys who are actually playing? And I yes. kind of felt like Brownie, 
I felt like Brown, that Oregon Point showed, he was like a fan of like, I'm fucking sick of this, where I feel like a lot of the guys uh, are like, well, I don't know, I just, uh, we lost Oregon again, so, uh, uh, cool. So, and I, like, lot, like, I felt like, I felt like he brought that kind of like, fucking shitty fan, lunatic French fan energy to a player, but he just wasn't physically, <laughs> he wasn't super physically gifted. And yeah, and that was on Peterson for not only just recruiting, I mean, the transfer portal wasn't what it is now in, in Browning here, but he also wasn't bringing in the big time program. I think already at that point, we're bringing in a guy every year who, as we pointed out earlier too, he's been like, they, they found a way to immediately get them to play. And he, yes. even if he, Browning beat the guy out, he should have had a guy to beat out and not have it be Jake Hayner, you know, who in the, the, the tragic husky history of everything of yet Hanner coming in and being the guy that got the shot and fucking throwing away a game uh, is all you need to know about the husky program. Where he, you know, uh, they accidentally had a shitty guy, a guy who everyone thought he probably better than Browning, but they gave oh, they put him out. Better. They put him out there. They they put him out there and he shit his fucking pants so bad that it was like, well, there's no arguing that this guy should be playing. <laughs> Uh, and it was again on Peterson. Again on Peterson, though, it was a bad situation. He put him in the wrong, the wrong position. But then again, yes. fucking Hainer, man. Hainer, like, come on, man. Like, uh, come on. Um, he, was yeah, a, he was uh, a freshman, you know. And by the way, I need to, I need to go back and change something that I said about three or four minutes ago uh, because it came out of my mouth wrong. Where I said that uh, we we opened things up in the second half, and I I said that incorrectly. We were every time we handed the ball to Gaskin in the Rolls Bowl, he was gaining four or five yards, and um, we went away from that. Uh, or, or excuse me, we okay. Blah, 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 blah. We came out throwing the ball and trying to like spread things around to start the game, and then the second half we finally started giving it to Gaskin and moving the chains, and, and then things were things were happening. And uh, I, I knew that going into the game, and that's what I was trying to say a, a few minutes ago, but I completely butchered it. Um, it made it sound like we were running up the middle on every down and we weren't throwing the ball, and that's not what I was trying to imply. So, anyways, there we go. I thought they did the same thing in the Sugar Bowl. Or the, uh, no, not the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the Peach um, Bowl? The Peach Bowl. Yeah, the Peach Bowl. It was like, it was like, well, we're playing like the greatest defense ever, and, uh, oh, we only got two yards, and that's it. We're not going to run anymore. It's like wow. <laughs> well, it's, it's one like, of those things. That, you know, in college football, go ahead. You know, you get obsessed with Ohio State talent. Fucking Miles Gaskin. Looking back, I was he the most talented, the best fucking football player on that field that day, including every guy in Ohio State. Because Nick Bosa wasn't playing. Uh, I think he was. And the game plan was to air it out. Yeah, I'm looking at Ohio State's roster. They had, you know, they had a lot of guys. I, I don't, I think, I think Gaskin was the best fucking, especially as a college player, substantially better than any guy on Ohio State's team that year. 
And I remember early in the game, there was like a third and two or something, and then we like rolled Browning out or dropped him back, and I think we rolled him out, and then he throws to the sideline, and it goes like five yards over the guy's head, and we have to punt, and I was just, I was just like, I knew that was going to happen, but I was still uh, very pissed off about it. I was like, give it to Gaskin. Make Ohio State prove that they could stop him. Yeah, and, I, and, and I don't, yeah. Well, you remember so. that uh you remember that um of course we all kind of remember it. Uh, it was the bowl game um let's see TCU playing Oregon. Yeah, TCU yeah, right. that was they, a great night. All the when they were on like a fourth or fifth quarterback and all they were going to do is run the ball and they just ran it down their throats. They were like just stop mm-hmm. us. And they they couldn't stop them. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't care who the team is. Like, you know, Oregon State when they went to USC, and you know, uh, when they go down there, when Jacquez Rogers just ran ran over him. Oh eight, oh nine, oh eight. It was USC's only loss. Yeah, it was in Corvallis. Yeah, well, they right. ran. They just ran right over him. Or no, maybe it was at Reaver Stadium. It was. Yeah, it was they like rushed the field. Night. Yeah, it was like yeah. a Thursday night Corvallis game. Yeah, they just ran right over them. Like they were. It, some sometimes you just sometimes you just gotta not be a not be a big pussy, you know. <laughs> like <you> just. <laughs> but it wasn't like that. Gaskin was a battering ram either. He was just. He had an amazing genius for for taking a three-yard gain and turning it into a six-yard gain. It was just it was just yeah. beautiful, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was also a guy who I think was banged up earlier in the year, but, I mean, he had a month off. You know, he had no games after. I mean, he was also in the NFL. I mean, he's shown he's a really good receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. He probably never, never threw the ball to a one-time night game. And, yeah, the, the game plan should have probably been, like, we're going to run clock and we're going to run Gaskin uh, and, you know, throw him the ball and keep Ohio State's offense off the field too. And, yeah, instead it was some sort of weird, we're going to get Andre Bocelli the ball 11 times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wooly with the zigger. I love it. <laughs> have, him, have him run run backwards out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, in person, I feel like it was way worse. But fuck, there, the ten times he got the ball that game, you were like, I've never seen a thing where like, okay, he has the ball. If he makes one guy miss or he breaks one tackle, <laughs> this is gonna be a big play in getting fucking tackled every single time. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, like the play starts, you're like, oh, they completed the pass. You're like, fuck, this looks good, this looks good. And then he, like, rounds the corner, and the Ohio State cornerback, like, touches his foot, and he, he goes down, and it's like, oh, that was either, like, a two-yard gain or it was, like, a 12-yard gain, but it was, like, you thought that was going to be, like, a 48-yard gain by anyone who, to his credit, uh, to his credit, you know, he did he did what he could do that game, I felt like. I don't think he left anything on the field. Just fuck, man. Like, it was so bad in person to watch that because you just don't have, like, the overall perspective to be like, 
the view to see how every, everything looks like it's going to be really good when you're in person a lot of times and you see a play develop. Uh, it just did not. It never, never, never came through. He's got, uh, you know how many yards he has? As a so Kelly, like, oh, no, Gaskin, like, sorry. Gaskin. <laughs> oh, it had to be near Napoleon territory, right? I think more than Napoleon, right? He went over 4,000. Napoleon, Napoleon is at 4,106. Any guesses? So I'll say Miles he's Gaskin? at 4,600. <laughs> Miles Gaskin. 4,323. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's the only behind. Is he only behind Charles White in the Pac-12? Who I think who Charles White like fucking impressive. Like in the 70s, he still was like so far ahead of anyone. No one will catch him. Uh, back when offense was like so different, I think he's like Gaskin's like second or third in Pac-12 history, maybe. Uh, well, I could tell I you. Pulled that one up, yeah. In 1981, he the I was touchdown record by 20. <laughs> in 1981, touchdowns. <laughs> ridiculous. In 1981, I was at uh, 10. And uh, I was there for that game where Marcus Allen at Husky Stadium uh, took a, took a pitch around left end for eight or ten yards, and he became the first player in football college football history to go over two thousand yards in a season. And it was a big deal back then. And now I don't think anybody would even blink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did Barry White have, like, 2,600 or something? Something insane? (laughs) Yeah, he has some, like, thing that Charles White? No, Barry Sanders. Oh, Barry Sanders. Oh, Sanders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Charles White's history is, like, I remember, like, Gaskin got to, like, second or something. You're like, oh, shit, can he get it? They're like, no, he'd have to run for, like, 1,300 yards more. Uh like halfway through the, his last season to like catch Charles White, like career Pac-12 rushing. Uh, is that so? So Charles White's still number one after all these years? I'm almost certain he is. Yeah, and I don't think it's even close. Like, I think it's it's Ricky Williams or Ron Yana. Dane. It's Ricky Williams or Ron Dane as far as career, right? For uh, national, maybe, maybe that's it, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of them who is national, and then Pac-12 is Charles White. I could be wrong though. I really hope it's not nope, like Royce you, Freeman. Uh, holy shit! Charles uh, White, Royce 6, Freeman, two hundred and forty-five yards. Yeah, Royce Freeman. <laughs> God, he's up there. I didn't know Royce, that. Royce yeah, Royce Freeman's number two. Yeah, but he has, like, his last two years, he has, like, maybe in his last three years, it's a lot of meaningless, like, four-yard games just over and over and over again. Well, running for 5,600 yards in your college career is still something. I mean, I mean I, um, I'm kidding on him stepping to Oregon, but he also, he had a lot of, like, a lot of those are not that meaningful. There's not that many yeah. Huskies in this list. 
I mean, no, you got Napoleon. Napoleon. Chris, Chris Polk's 11th. Napoleon is 12th. And then I saw a Bishop Sankey somewhere, 28th. But you know what? No, it doesn't quite. mean you're the best running back ever. It means you got a lot of carries as a freshman is first and foremost what that means. But And that you stayed yeah, all four Ron, years. Ron Dane. Ron Dane. Yeah, Ron he never Dane really panned out in the NFL. 125. No. 7,125. That's crazy. That is a lot of yards. <laughs> well, he was like he was like two sixty, right? He was like six two two sixty or something, something crazy. Oh, oh! I thought you were reading something. You were quoting something. It says here sixty three hundred ninety seven. He's the second rated uh, all time. Donnell Pumphrey is number one at San Diego State. Sixty four hundred yards in in fifty four games. Ron Dane did his in 43 games, though. 54 games? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, all games, including bowl games, on Wikipedia for career rushing yards. Well, I'm at the NCAA official site, and it says Donnell Pumphrey of San Diego State. 54 games? How do you play 54 games in four years? I guess that's possible. San Diego State's Division One, so they wouldn't have been in all the playoff stuff. I don't. This is what it says, though. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. This can't be right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't doesn't make any sense. Well, anyways, I'm not going to get hung up on it. But did Ron Dane win yeah. two Heisman's? No, he won one. I think it's still, it's oh, it's still a, just Archie Griffin, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a picture of him posing with two trophies, but one of them's got to be Doak Walker. Yeah. So never mind me. So. So. Yeah, there's not going to be any Huskies in this list. Royce Freeman is the seventh. Seventh in NCAA history in rushing yards. I would have bet you ten thousand dollars that that was not he was not in the top ten. That's weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, he came back for an extra year for no reason. Uh, was like yeah. a, big, a big part of that. Uh, then he had a lot of early when they were rolling with the they were still doing the like high speed offense early in his career, and they had, and they were good. Uh, he could, like combine that. He was like a Gonzaga player, basketball player back in the day, where it was like <laughs> it felt like he was there for like six years, and weirdly he was better. He was like best his like freshman year, and then he got worse every year that went on. Like it was a very strange career. Well, we had that kind of thing going on with Washington, except our guys are never like stars. But at least the Oregon Freeman would start out as a star, and then do the slow fade. But we have, you know, we have the James Johnson, you know, catching seven passes uh, against LSU or whatever and scoring a TD, and and we're thinking we've got the next Reggie Williams here, and then he just kind of fades away. <laughs> I thought yeah, he was going to break every receiving, receiving record. record. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's see here, and let's make sure. I think we've. I think we pretty much. Not, there weren't a lot of questions this week, but um, I think there's, there was still a question from Hay that um, that we haven't answered. I need to find where that thread is now. There it is. Okay. Why As is Ray discontinuing his uh, his little series? He didn't. He didn't give me a reason why, and I didn't press him. I, I don't know. Um. I went to schedule a, a, a second episode with him, and he just said, hey, thanks for the offer, but I'm going to pass. And I was like, okay. Um, I will say this. There was time at the senior center? <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I will say this. I mean, um, the, the, the numbers for that episode were not, uh, were not near what the numbers are for our regular show. So it, some people really loved listening to that, but it didn't, it didn't catch a lot of, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't like widespread listened to and enjoyed. I think it was pretty niche. So <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know if, I don't know what his motivation is, but it's, you know, that's, that's fine. I mean, uh, originally we had agreed that we were going to do at least three episodes and then go from there. Uh, but you know, it's okay. Whatever. It's fine. Um, okay. So, Hey, wanted to know who was right between Herm Edwards and Brian Kelly regarding Jaden Daniels, uh, in regards to Daniel's skill set and ceiling. That's a really good question. Uh, That's a really good question. Yep. To remind me what uh, what the uh, quote was from them both. I don't even think is Jaden Daniels even going to start at LSU. I don't know. Wouldn't that be something though? You give up your senior year to sit on the bench. He seemed like a very I mean, athletic. He sucks. He sucks. But there's something. There's something about him though that just doesn't seem to be dialed in. As I guess because he's athletic. But um, yeah. But sometimes it's like, well, how much of that is bad coaching too, or you know, whatever. I don't know. But I'm going to lean towards the. Um, I'll lean towards Herm Edwards on that one. That. Uh, that uh, I I don't think he'll overwhelm at LSU, but as much as I don't like Brian Kelly or or Brian Kelly, um, I don't like him. As much as I, I didn't say that right, that didn't came. I'm a little bit tired. As much as I don't like him, I do have to respect obviously what he's done as a coach. I think it's very odd that he's at LSU. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem anyways, we'll like see. the a good fit. It just seems weird. Seems very weird. It'd be yeah, like even, Brian uh, Kelly going, Brian Kelly coaching uh, in Lincoln Eugene Riley or something. US, even Lincoln Riley at USC, like, is, I don't know, it's weird to me. Doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't strike me as weird. Um, do you mean, do you mean like a, a country guy in the big city? Is that what you mean? Or, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would have, I would have thought like, I don't know, it just something about. I'd have thought Lincoln Riley would have gone to the NFL or before he went to USC, but you know, it's a, 
it's a private school and they can't they they don't have to disclose salaries, so he's probably just raking it in down there. Oh. So. Yeah, I, I've got to think he's in the eight or nine million a year range. Probably more than that, but they won't disclose it because they're still paying off, you know, uh, sexual assault <laughs> lawsuits. <laughs> Oh wait, the media doesn't. Cover I don't even know it, why. So, so it does, it's not news. So I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah. Other than the, the way you just phrased that, so it's, it's just kind of the the way things are these days, or whatever. But I don't know. So I, I know guess people, uh, are, we, people are laughing at the at the Hope Solo news from today too. Uh, well, okay, I'm not aware of that. What's the Hope Solo news? <laughs> Did you did you oh, hear yeah. about that Wooly Dug? <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, she she got a D she got a DWI and she had she had her kids in the car and oh no, uh, yeah, it's not. Is that doing things the Washington no. way? <sighs> that was not, I, I don't know that that's pretty. <laughs> Jeez, man. Her and Jeremy Stevens yeah, are the pretty bad. Example. Washington wins, you know, you gotta you gotta have some scumbags. Yeah. I was trying to explain this the other day to a, a friend of mine um, who I've referenced on the board from time to time, and I've known her for twenty five years, and um, and it was like just saying, "What was it we were talking about?" And it had something to do that was in the news. I'm not going to turn this to political. Don't worry, people out there. But it was, it was something where it was something that the, the either Washington or the Pac-12 was doing in, in regards to their football teams. That it was just really a soft virtue signaling kind of deal. And, and I honestly don't even remember what it was. And um, and then I started to talk about how Washington is. We don't we don't seem to go after those uh, Jeremiah Farms players anymore. And then she w- was yeah. agreeing with me. And then I started to tell her about how from uh, from my, when I wrote the book The Dogs of War, and it was depicted how Farms would line up at outside linebacker and lock eyes with somebody across the line and then urinate in his pants. And uh <laughs> anyway, so I lost her there, but that guy it was, was um, that guy was that guy was scary. Yeah, and you need to have a scary few of those dude. guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was like a Dick Baird quote or, um, I, I I've heard Hugh Millen reference it before, like you. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want your guys to go to jail, um, but you want to go to bed worried that they're going to go to jail. Like that's the kind of players you want. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty good. I, I I paraphrase it probably, but but that was the gist of the whole the whole thing. You know. Well, Hoffman would quote uh, Jim Lambright as saying, "Be the dirtiest legal player you could be." Right, right, right. Uh, I think wasn't it wasn't it um, okay? Let, 
Lambright went to recruit um, running back for ended up going to Kansas State, wasn't it? Uh, Frank Murphy, I think. Yeah, he, he was coming out of that him. JUCO from Kansas somewhere. The, the, the Dixie. Yeah, he was like a gar, Garden Dixie or Garden or City Utah. Or, yeah, Dixie or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, he went down to recruit him, and, and they were kind of like, kind of like, oh, this kid's questionable, but he, he you know. But we need we need to go just see see it for ourselves. I think he had like, I think he had something tattooed on his arm that thug for life turned him off. Thug, thug for, for life. life. Yeah, yeah, and they and they passed on him, and then uh, went to Kansas State, and I think he I think he played against I think he played against the Huskies in that Holiday Bowl um, in '99. In '99. Yeah, the year before the Rose Bowl, they played Kansas State in the Holiday Bowl. It wasn't uh, maybe Frank Murphy was before that, but maybe Darren Sproles was on that Kansas State team. No, no, they both were. Um, but you're absolutely right because uh, yeah, his first year, he was actually. Um, I'm looking at the thing now on online, and Frank Murphy, he uh, played for he played in the NFL for seven years. And then he played in in Canada for what does that say there? Three years in Canada, and then he wrapped up with the Tampa Bay Storm, whatever that was, but and the Florida Tuskers. But anyways, he was in the NFL from two thousand to two thousand six. Yeah, carved a good a good career out. And he's drafted in the sixth round, but. Um, Whoa, this says he was a wide receiver. What? I remember him being a bruising yeah. running back. Yeah, I thought he was a running back. Huh. Six foot, 217 pounds. Says he was a wide receiver. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> We're going down the rabbit hole with Frank Murphy. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, yeah, I guess we could start to wrap up. Is there anything else uh, you guys want to talk about? or Most of our, notice that 95% of our conversation has not been about this year's team. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sad. Well, we're ready to go. So, uh, should we wrap up there then? I, I'm, I don't have anything else to say, you know, going backwards in time or currently in time or forward in time. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, I guess we'll wrap up then, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk again maybe in a couple weeks and uh, and spend about six minutes on uh, spring football, and then the next you know hour and a half on. Uh, then you know the the eighty three Oregon State Beavers or wherever the conversation goes. So, any other way? That's right. So, all right, guys. Well, I'll talk to you later then. Okay, fellas. Good talk. All right. Stay hey, safe. Bye. Yep.
Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, sh- which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's Gift to College Football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but...